Welcome to Sustainable AF, otherwise known as everything you ever wanted to know about sustainability, but were too afraid to ask. This series discusses the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and each episode will explore a particular goal, what it is, why it matters, and how we can address it. Every week, we're going to be looking closely at the systems that underpin the way that we live. Try and work out where we can identify actions to take changes for a better world. SDG4 is about education quality education for all. It's the foundation of sustainable development because without education, you don't know what you need to know to function in the modern world. When children attend school, we actually have physical proof of how their brains grow and develop as they learn. There are really obvious ways that education can help. It can help you get a good job and enhance the amount of money you earn. It gives the poor a better shot at competing with the wealthy. And that breaks down social barriers which brings access to wider society and helps you understand your rights and freedoms, which helps society to be fair, just and peaceful. So you can see how it connects to so many of the other goals. And there are many targets underneath education. We're not gonna go into them in detail, but these range from improving primary and secondary education, vocational and technical training, improving teacher training and so on. People have said it's too ambitious and too unfocused. But when the ambition is to arm people with the skills and knowledge to play an active role in their own families, communities and society, how can big ambition be a bad thing? Now, the numbers speak for themselves. Prior to COVID, more than 262 million children and young people were out of school. Six out of 10 are not acquiring basic literacy and numeracy skills after several years of school. 750 million adults around the world are illiterate, fueling poverty and marginalisation. Now SDG 4 is about bringing everyone together to tackle educational challenges and build systems that are inclusive, equitable and relevant to all learners. Now obviously Covid has made things a lot worse. Recently UNESCO put those numbers at over one and a half billion who are or have been affected by school and university closures due to the pandemic. A quality education means different things in different places. At any time, there are up to 4 million children out of school because they're fleeing from conflict, famine or natural catastrophes. The most important things are literacy and access to education, which are prevented by a lack of infrastructure, lack of teachers and widespread poverty. For the poorest, Access to education is a critical step in improving the quality of life and access to all other opportunities that are available. But it's not just in developing countries that this is a problem. So many families are realising the challenges involved in education as they're having to teach their children from home. Children without computers to access schoolwork or sufficient mobile data to log on, or who are sharing workspace with siblings and parents. How are they faring? One of the indicators we use to gauge how effective action on education is, was the number of children in school. But how do we do that now? In the UK, the debate about lockdown is centred on the damage that it does to children to be out of school, not ignoring the impact that it also has on on parents if they suddenly have to homeschool. So basically, what we're saying is that education is the most important tool for changing the world and also the hardest thing to get right. But also, what do we even mean by right? It's critical to de- for the development of societies, yet many disagree about what should be taught and how it should be taught. 
So what on earth do we do about this? I mean, before we get to that, there has been progress on the basics. There's been a huge improvement in access to primary education. And in 2015, the number of children attending school hit over 90%. But the numbers are better for primary than secondary attendance. And there's a huge differential between rich and poor. Nearly 22% of non-school attendees are from poor families versus only 6.5% of wealthier families. There's the inequality again, Faye. So how do we improve education? It's about quality, it's reach and access to it. The UN describes energy education as a force multiplier policy intervention, which enables self-reliance, boosts economic growth by enhancing skills and improves people's lives by opening up opportunities for better livelihoods. But what does that mean? Does that mean compulsory school attendance, better funding for schools or state funded education? We've actually been discussing this a lot. And we we think one of the simplest ways to change the system is to pay teachers high salaries, to level up with bankers and lawyers, not only creating a brain drain to teaching, but transforming the level of social respect they get in a capitalistic society. We will talk about where this is already happening later. But the big question that then comes up is how do we pay for that? Lawyers and bankers are direct revenue generators, while teachers and doctors provide the society-wide services that we need, but don't have such a directly linked economic impact. But every doctor, lawyer or banker has been taught by an educator. So you can't have one without the other. Absolutely. Grassroots campaigns also really matter here because people really need to understand why education matters. UNESCO has launched a global campaign combining advocacy and communication to teach people about the benefits of learning, to provide research proving the impact of education and supporting policy action at a country level. But while campaigns and educational policies matter, technology is becoming one of the biggest barriers, but also opportunity creators in this space. So with almost no warning, due to the pandemic, the right to education has become dependent on connectivity. Over 75% of learning opportunities during the pandemic have relied on online platforms. Yet almost 47% of all primary and secondary students didn't have access to these platforms because they don't have a decent internet connection at home. Despite some teething troubles, businesses transformed within months, yet schooling still lags behind. So we're actually building up problems for the future. The challenge is that if we get technology right and we get it into the hands of students, there is an opportunity for outreach to many children who may not have access to education because of their lack of teachers, because of the lack of schools and long travel distances to get to those institutions. That may have been an issue that was focused in developing markets, but today it matters for all of us. This brings us back to this idea of systems, the systems that underpin the way in which we live, and a system that's only as strong as its weakest link. Even in countries where there is access to free education, often the schools have limited budgets. They have to compete with private schools for the best teachers, technologies and tools. No one is saying that the public sector isn't doing a great job under difficult circumstances, But how do we make it better? And how can we get those lessons learned translated to the developing world? In any educational system, there are policies and institutions that set out society's finances and managing and management of the schools. How a society assesses student performance and how 
and who is empowered to make basic educational decisions. These are things like which curriculum to follow, which teachers to hire and what textbooks to purchase. And it's that system that needs to be understood if we want to improve education and educational outcomes. And it's not just what's in the curriculum that matters, but what's not. Why aren't children taught the basics of finance and risk in maths, for example? Given the importance of climate change to the way in which we live, why isn't climate change and climate risk being taught in the sciences? Our children need to be taught knowledge and skills that will help them navigate life, not just hit targets and get certain grades. So now let's take a look at some of the solutions that we've found. There are policy changes that we can make, even though they might cost money. These could be anything from a voucher system encouraging parents to choose what school they want, to banning private education and insisting that everyone gets the same chances. Today's budget cuts mean that music, art, drama are all at risk, and many schools are losing their sports areas and places to play. We need all of these in order to develop a well-rounded individual. So if we want to change the emphasis of education, we could take a leaf out of the Hong Kong approach. This is focused on hard work and grades and tends to result in good academic results. But it also tends to result in early burnout, and it's arguable that it's overly regulated and overly pressured. Alternatively, we could take a look at the opposite end of the spectrum and take a leaf out of Norway's book, where there's compulsory state-funded education from 6 to 16, but they don't even give grades until secondary school to allow children to learn without pressure. In Finland, teachers are highly paid and respected. In a capitalist world, paying more goes hand in hand with respect, whether it should or not. There is a focus on decentralization and local power, letting schools tailor their teaching. Teachers have to have a master's degree and are considered experts like engineers, doctors, or lawyers. They are trusted to make the right educational choices for their students. And in the Netherlands, for example, you're allowed different classes for different students so they can learn through their own interests. Students don't always go on to college or university, but they can do pre-university courses, learn a new language or another skill. And they have short school days with very little homework. So there isn't a generation of stressed out students worrying about getting everything done. This is a really interesting one. Barbados has one of the highest literacy rates in the world at 98%. Whilst providing a good number of schools, Barbados, the Barbados government also created the skills training programme to prepare students for careers in, in mechanics, electronics, plumbing and other technical occupations. And this itself raises another bunch of questions, again, about what we want education to do and who should pay for it. It's important to notice that SDG4 targets businesses too, not just public educators, the business case for education is about developing capacity and ensuring that there are people with the skills and knowledge to enter the workforce. Schools are defined by and reflect our goals and ambitions as a society. And while historically it was important to specialise, the modern world needs flexible skill sets and minds. So what is education for? Well, the education se sector bears one of society's greatest burdens. As the World Economic Forum points out, what we teach our children and how we teach them will impact almost every aspect of society, from the quality of healthcare to industrial outputs, technological advancements to financial services. So the type of education a child has matters. Activists talk about education as a means to improve society, where children are taught to respect and live in a world of diversity and pluralism. But what about those who are taught to think a different way? 
whose families believe such teaching is an attack on their belief system. Combine that with poor funding for public education, and you realise we have a long way to go before agreeing on how to improve education. Yeah, whilst children are heavily influenced by their home environments and by their peers, what they see, learn and experience at school will frame their ability to continually grow and learn. It will help them deal with a rapidly evolving society, technologically and their work environment. It could be said that the most important thing a children can learn at school is how to learn and how to engage with others. So a recent World Economic Forum report said that the workforce of 2022 is going to need higher order human skills, which sounds a bit mad. But what that means is creativity, originality and initiative, critical thinking, persuasion, negotiation, resilience, which is so important if you look at what teenagers going through homeschooling are doing at the moment. They need to be able to understand complex problems and find unique ways of solving them. If schools are meant to provide us with these workers of the future, why then are educational systems seemingly structured to enforce conformity and reductive thinking? Why is the success of a learner assessed using standardised tests and rote learning for exams? Is it about facts or is it about thinking? Who decides what facts are when they are open to change? We talk about the science and the facts, but scientific method is about having, having a hypothesis and testing it changing the hypothesis when the information changes. So surely that means we should be developing the ability to think fluidly and adaptively, or does that run the risk of making everything relative? At what point do we integrate ideas of right and wrong and who decides what they are? Time, place and morality all interplay here. Given how much we don't know, it seems obvious that educating children should be about teaching them how to learn how to question, and how to exercise critical judgment while seeing them as part of a human society, a human whole. Now, we obviously haven't given you any concrete solutions here, but what we hope we've done is make you think more about how complicated and how important education is, and highlighted some of the different ways that countries are trying to tackle this issue. We recognise that education is a positive externality for society. And if we look at it that way, we can start looking at ways to improve it and how to fund that change. So we hope you've enjoyed it. Let us know if there's any issues we've talked about that you'd like us to explore any more in particular. And look forward to you joining us next week as we continue on our journey to becoming sustainable AF. Thanks, guys.